talking to Dr. Rebecca Anderson about phobias. This is really quite interesting. And so many people, Rebecca, try and keep these to themselves, don't they? Mm. They're, they're not sort of proud or happy with the way they feel because it takes over. Mm, yeah, and it can cause a lot of distress. So not just do we, you know, we don't just see stigma. There's a lot of distress. There's a lot of hiding of the symptoms. It can be quite overwhelming for people. And so often people do delay coming in to get help, even though there's good help available. Yeah, they do feel embarrassed about it because mm. it is uncontrollable, especially mm. anxiety or phobias, the mm. same, all the same. What presents more with with your phobias because there are different types aren't there yeah so the most common ones that we see in the clinic are things like your animal phobias so dogs spiders snakes um things like fear of heights um fear of flying there's some of your more common ones i think we see them a lot more because they do tend to affect people's ability to go about their day-to-day activities Mm. so if you've got a fear of flying and you can't get on a plane and you have to be able to do that for work that becomes a problem if you can't go to the park because of a fear of dogs that can become a problem for families in general. Um, so we do see some of those um, uh, more commonly in clinical practice. Yeah. Certainly in the last few years, the big thing we've seen a lot more of has been needle phobia. So throughout the pandemic, when there's been more need for people to be getting yeah. vaccinated, there's been a huge increase in the number of people who genuinely want to get vaccinated but are just so fearful of having a needle that it's prevented them from being able to do yeah, so. Yeah, it's very impacting on their, on their lives. Mm. Um, with a phobia, does that extend into becoming anxiety, uh, uh, suffering anxiety as well? Yeah, so we diagnose it as a phobia, as a disorder, when you've been experiencing that intense anxiety for at least six months. So yeah. it does have to persist for quite some time. How do you deal with that? How do you treat that? Yeah, so the the typical treatment involves something called exposure therapy. So exposure therapy is a type of cognitive behavioural therapy. Focused really snakes around your neck. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe eventually, but not immediately. No. So we tend to work with clients to develop a really gradual approach to starting to confront their fears. And so what that might look like is if it was a snake phobia, you might start with really sort of low intensity exposure, like a picture of a cartoon snake, and you sit with that for a while until your anxiety goes up and it will naturally start to habituate over time. Mm -hmm. And the more you look at that, it starts to wear itself out a bit. And so once you get used to that picture of the cartoon snake, we might then move it up to a black and white picture of a real snake, but it's a friendly looking little snake. They don't look that friendly. (laughs) (laughs) And over time we build up to the more um, uh, real life. So we might actually do visits to the zoo or we might, um, you know, visit a a reptile enclosure where um, people can have exposure and sometimes even have handling snakes with with that type of phobia with the snake situation or a spider situation whatever it's not going to happen to them that often in life Mm. really when we think about it but is it important for them to face that if it is a strong part of their lives yeah look um for a lot of people i mean i think i have a healthy fear of snakes um i I think most do yeah most people do um and that's that's good it's adaptive so we only really intervene when it's no longer adaptive for the person and that can manifest in really serious ways. So we have worked with clients who have um, something called emetophobia, which is a fear of vomiting. And um, the clients are referred to us because they've started to restrict significantly the amount of food they're eating because they're worried they might throw up. They're presenting as underweight. So sometimes the GPs have thought that they've got an eating disorder. Um, And so they're they're actually putting their health at risk. Yeah, I haven't Um, heard of that. Yeah, and so we do see more severe cases like that that really do require intervention quite do they, quickly. Do they tell you 
why they have a phobia about that if they had an experience where it was upsetting at the time when they were vomiting yeah so for mo- in most circumstances they have had experiences with gastro or things like oh, right. that and they're so fearful of that occurring again that they'll start to restrict things that could get stuck in the throat or that could uh, upset their stomach for example and they might even stop doing things like um, exercising because it could upset their stomach as well yeah well you know when you look at you know spiders and things like that like I said we, we don't come across them and on a daily basis even though people from overseas think that's what australia's yeah. <laughs> all about we're not going to die every day if yeah. we and can't come in touch um but it's it's a healthy when i say healthy it's not if it goes extreme but it's a situation like you say it's a re- restriction of danger so mm. if you came across it you make sure that you, you don't want to go too close to it because something may happen they may bite you mm. a dog may bite you but yeah so we only i mean we only diagnose and we only intervene when it is starting to affect your ability to go yeah. about your day-to-day life um, and for a lot of us we can just manage um, I've got a friend who has a fear of a, a phobia it's at a diagnosable level of, of buttons what? and so <laughs> I know and so um, she can't wear any clothes that have buttons where um, did that come from well, I, I, I don't know the exact origins of that one, um, but it's... You have to find that out. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, she's able to adapt to that. It doesn't necessarily stop her from going places and doing things. It's just that she can't bring herself to touch one or to wear one herself. So she's got a lot of Velcro and <laughs> <laughs> zips and things. I think so. Well, she might have had a dream about you know buttons attacking her or something gee that's some that is an interesting is is that one of the most unusual ones you've heard of uh yeah probably getting up there with the more and it's a friend of yours i'd be (laughs) questioning her on that for research that's incredible okay how can people overcome or manage phobias this is a really big one yeah well i guess when we think about what we do in treatment we work on that gradual reapproach to feared situations so that you can become more adaptive and sort of live a more normal life again and so if you are finding that you're starting to do some avoidance or you've got some sometimes we get um quite strange imagery around the thing that we're scared about as well so i know um we had uh, someone coming to our clinic who was, I don't know the official term, but we I'll, I'll call him Spider-Man. So he was a, a gentleman <laughs> who had a collection of spiders and we were doing some filming for um, for a segment in, on a show. And I sort of used to react a bit to spiders and I said, oh, for me, it's that image of them jumping at me. Yeah. And he said, oh, well, the ones that... Um, the ones that tend to jump aren't venomous. Oh, okay. And that little bit of corrective information went a long way for me. Yeah. So sometimes also just getting some corrective information about the likelihood of that thing going wrong that you are imagining yeah. might go wrong. So if you came across a jumping spider, you'd be okay with it? Yeah, I'm fine with them now. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? Well, uh, it's presenting, like you say, probably greater than ever. We've got a lot of pressures that people are looking at on television mm. with wars and, you know, awful situations, polio's breaking out, all these things are breaking out around the world and i don't know how we're going to start to calm ourselves down there's mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety out there there is there is and so we do we see a lot of general anxiety as well in our clinics where people um aren't necessarily focused on a specific thing like these specific phobias but are more just worrying about everything and anything yeah. 
and there's a lot out there to worry about at the moment. Um, not that worry necessarily. We is want to fix, fix it. Anything. That's what it's about. I know, but people want to, don't want these things happening. We don't mm. want to wish we could help. Wish we could change things. Yeah, 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 that's the thing. And we have to be realistic, don't we, all of us? Mm. Mm. So I guess I don't know. If you watch a horrible situation on the news at night, sort of thing, take it in, absorb it, and then push it aside. I don't know how you can do that. Just get another distraction. Watch some bad comedy on television or something. <laughs> that's one way. Certainly. Um, distraction has its place if you find you're always trying to use distraction though in some ways that can worsen the problem because you start to use that as your only way of coping Um, so we have to sort of find that right balance between being able to expose ourselves to difficult things being able to use distraction when it's useful Um, I tend to avoid the news a bit myself these days to be fair but mainly because I have young children and it's hard for them to be seeing the kind of things that we've got so much access to these days having it in our home Mm. on a daily basis that's actually probably very good advice mm. and you know okay what about the future of treatment yeah. future directions for phobia treatment yeah we're seeing some um in recent years we've seen some really exciting things happening with things like virtual reality so when we're thinking about doing that exposure work um being able to actually have a more realistic image of a spider or a snake or whatever the feared situation or object might be um is is one way that people have been trying to develop and enhance treatment for people and try to make it more accessible. I think what's really exciting now is that we're seeing more artificial intelligence that might allow us to do that at a more rapid pace. So one of the problems with specific phobias is you can have a specific phobia of anything. Mm-hmm. And so when we're trying to develop programs, um, the more specific your treatment program is, so if you're programming a virtual reality headset for a spider phobia, it's not going to work for the person with the snake phobia. No. And so we need to be able to translate that really quickly to get more treatments out there for people. So I think artificial intelligence is going to really help us in that well, It's good to know. That is really good to know because people having to live with it and keep it to themselves, which mm. what you said is quite common, mm. uh, that is very hard because mm. you're watching people with anxiety in fact um, people that are anxious while traveling in a car somebody just rang in yeah we, we do see people who have um, experienced things like panic attacks and while traveling in the car they might not want to get on the freeway they might not want to go through the Northbridge tunnel so things where it's difficult to escape from if they Gosh. start to have panicky symptoms so that's quite a common thing that we see this is an interesting thing the connection of uh, your, your mind looking at these things fearfully and physically reacting to it what actually takes place yeah so basically all that's happening is your brain is telling you that there's something there to be feared and setting off that fight flight response or a freeze response in some cases as well um so it's it's our body trying to protect us but it's just simply become oversensitized so it's an adrenaline rush through your body yeah you can get that really strong heart goes faster and everything like that i was saying to you earlier i've got this having to straighten everything up absolutely perfectly in line yeah and it doesn't i don't let anyone know but i have been it has been comments to say would you please not straighten that detail five times mm-hmm. um and i've i got it from years ago when display homes were being built you know mm-hmm. before you built a home you'd have it fully furnished beautifully laid out display home and i remember walking in thinking now that's how homes should look everything Mm -hmm. meticulous and in place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it looks so lovely that I've always wanted everything to be like that but it's also a way of being organized I don't I I get panicky when there's mess Mm, if mm. I was c- go anywhere else and see mess, I want to get down and sweep and clean and tidy. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing. I don't go into a panic attack, but it's just probably irritating to others. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you don't tell people, but I think you just no. let everyone know about no, it. 
Yeah, but they're mates. They, well, I won't see everyone, the listener out there. <laughs> but yeah. it is interesting what triggers and then you, you're set for life to follow a plan, yeah. a, a direction. Yeah. Interesting. Have you got a phobia? Um, no. Well, I think I have healthy fears of things like heights mention. and spiders, but no specific phobias myself. Yeah, yeah. but they're natural reactions mm. to things we don't... Heights, I can understand. Yeah. Watching the uh, terrible 9-11 situation, I watched it live as well. It was mm. just absolutely horrendous. Mm. And the thought of all those people, innocent people on the aircraft, and mm. you know, and ever since then we, we have went through terrorism, mm. didn't we? We don't see that as much now, thank goodness. Mm. And uh, there's a lot to be a little more mindful of, I suppose, not anxious about. Yeah. So I think we have to think about how much headspace we give to some of these things yeah. and there are some really useful strategies where you might um you know start to train your attention to just come back to the present moment so a bit more like a mindfulness technique uh, type yeah. technique where you're sort of bringing yourself back to here rather than being in the future or thinking yeah ahead overthinking yeah overthinking yeah. what about parents that start to see anxiety in their children mm. they don't want to go to school yeah that sort of thing yeah so modeling is really important so being able to model a non-anxious response yourself even though I know a lot of parents will have just taken their kids to school for the first time and dropped them off this week and there might be some really strong attachment going on there that's making it difficult for that separation um, and so it's really important for parents to be able to model that sort of non-anxious response to these situations. How do they do that? Yeah it can be hard and I think well one of the things is that you also do have to be able to talk about your feelings a little bit with your children too and sort of saying yeah you know this is it's it's sad for me that I won't get to see you all day but I'm going to get to see you at the end of the day today. Really? So setting up some of that reconnection at the end of the day that's when they're very young but i'm wondering whether they're a little bit older mm. and they would hide it but they're maybe getting bullied at school or something like that and, and anxiety is in, within the child yeah and they can withdraw they don't yeah. come out and speak about it yeah so. it's hard i think we just have to be really tuned in to our kids and, and sort of looking for some of those signs of withdrawal or a desire to not attend school i mean it's pretty normal for kids at various stages to not want to go to school um if there's something better on the agenda yeah. um and so i think we we need to be mindful of sort of what's a normal level of you know not wanting yeah, to be yeah. there versus actually if it's um, more extreme getting should, more distressed about being there if they w if it was more extreme and it was starting to affect the child mm. do they need to get a bit of counseling about that do you think we usually do recommend that yeah, yeah. so there's great support and strategies that young people can have to try and help them to um, i mean we can help them to identify what's the cause of the problem is it because they're being bullied and do they need some strategies to help with that bullying is it because of something that they're sort of creating um, in their own mind, like are they sort of socially anxious and worried about things that um, might not actually come to fruition. Yeah. So a good uh, therapist will be able to help you tease apart what's going on for the child and then introduce some strategies that they can actually use to help them get back to school I and think reconnect. that's a great idea. Mm. Now, you did mention the public can visit your clinic, correct? Mm, correct. And how do they do that? Go to the website for Curtin? Yeah, so the Curtin Psychology Clinic, um, details are on the Curtin website or they can call nine two double six one seven one seven one seven one seven okay nine two double six one seven one seven because i think i think the fact that you do have the public go there is mm. a great thing it's yeah. fantastic well if i ever want to give up straightening tea towels i'll come and see you <laughs> fantastic <laughs> thank you thank you so much for joining us today uh, rebecca dr rebecca anderson Radio.